0: Welcome back to Trending in Education. Dan Strafford, Michael Palmer, Brandon Jones along with you. And on today's episode, we're going to tackle a deep report. Hold on. IQ has a education in 2035 scenarios for the future of learning and talent. There's a lot to dive into. May spill over into an extra or two as there's a lot of content to cover. But first, always like to cover the content of Brandon and Michael's lives. Mike, what's new in your world?
1: What's new in my world, I was telling uh, you guys coming into this show, uh, you know, I'm uh, kind of swimming in a lot of information. And uh, I think that's the new normal, uh, you know. So, uh, you know, in the, in, in the near future or in the recent past, we will also cover the Mika report, uh, depending on when we want to release our shows. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of amazing information that is becoming available to us. And it's an, it's an age where, you know, like, we're all drinking from the fire hose uh, all the time, and it's really helpful to have people who can filter some of that for you and curate a little bit of it for you. We try to perform that function, but, um, but it's hard, you know, and it's even hard to, to digest filtered information these days, uh, let alone the, the kind of the raw data. So, uh, so I'm good. I mean, uh, hold on, who I hadn't really heard about before, um, Holon IQ, is the name of the, the company that, that actually put together this uh, analysis. They do really nice work. And I, I would recommend this, you know, like we try to curate, uh, you know, to my previous point, we try to curate some, some like sort of must reads. Um, this I would put up right uh, on par with the MECO report and the, the hype cycle. Uh, and I actually think the hype cycle is an interesting one to talk about as it relates to hold on, but, uh, but I'm good. Lots going on,
2: but, uh, but, uh, leaning into this conversation. Brandon, how about yourself? I'm great. You know, I like living in the future. I, I think this is, um, we cover a lot on this podcast and some of it is about what happened yesterday. Uh, and a lot of it is about what's happening in many tomorrows from now. And, and I, I think that conversation about the latter, about the future is, uh, energizing uh I think that there's you know there's there's some of this that you know'cause people could read as a little bleak, but I think there's more positive in it than not, and so I always feel I'm swimming too uh so I'm in the pool but the the water is the water is warm yeah i I, I feel uh I feel good when we're talking about the future. We need like a, uh, we need a little floaty raft yeah. with like a cup
1: holder. That's right. That's uh, right. And uh, consider this show, your floaty raft and cup holder. Yeah. Listeners.
0: It's a BYOB, but uh, yeah, consider yeah, we, we, yeah. we got the, we got the floaty raft. For yeah. You. Yeah. I appreciate the analogy. Now, Brandon, there is a bit of a list here, which we can get to. They, there are five subsections, uh, which I know you love your lists. I don't know that there are particularly robots mentioned, but I'm sure we can figure out a Why way. You oh, to, oh.
2: Please. I, I, I dare say, Dan, Well, how
0: prepped are you, my friend? I'm prepped. I wanted to give you the opportunity to <laughs> celebrate the robots. I'm here for you yeah. Brendan but uh, there's a lot here and yeah we, can I we,
2: I'd actually like to start with just the the methodology here so sure. and just a, a quick note I like Mike hadn't heard a lot about holon.iq uh, before reading this report uh it's uh, it's 61 pages yep. and it's there are three or four pretty meaty things I think we sort of different dimensions into it that we could talk about we may not get through all of them yep on this pod, but uh, I would recommend that people who are interested in the future, are interested in education, mm-hmm. and in sort of the range of possibilities that could happen, because that's I think that's the thing that I like most about this probably is, it's talking about a set of different possibilities, which aren't, you know, um, you know uh, binarily exclusive. Yep. Um, but uh, for folks who are interested in thinking about where the world might go, I would definitely recommend this. Mm-hmm. So the, they, they combine a top-down and bottoms-up methodology, so I guess they have this also this service called quid which I'll, I'll I'll talk about in just a second. Uh the the top down methodology they're looking at major reports from World Bank, UNESCO, like all these different sources to figure out what they can learn about trends that way. They they may listen to this podcast too. We're we right, trying
1: I, to confirm that.
2: I was just trying to go fast. I meant uh, yeah. World Bank, UNESCO training and education. Yeah um and uh, then bottom's down they've got this um it's, it's algorithm driven um uh, analysis tool that takes a look at you, know, you feed it feeds millions maybe tens of millions of articles through it mm-hmm. and starts to build networks of you know like topics it does word recognition word recognition word pattern recognition yeah. and it starts to build what they're calling these nodes mm-hmm. and the uh, then runs um, analytics on that to see like that the i'm making air quotes here, distance between those that yeah. determines a stronger or weaker connection, so you know I think part of this is a little bit who knows yeah about the future right, but I think that this two way approach is is pretty good
1: yeah and, now, and and just to build on that too, like their data viz is great uh there's uh there's there's really good infographics uh it's not you know it's not really reading 60 pages um, it's more digesting 60 pages worth of charts and slides but uh but it's not you know this is not like old school powerpoint deck slides these are these are information rich uh it's information rich content um and uh, and even the quid thing you're talking about turns into this really uh wonderful uh multicolored uh data visualization. It looks
2: like a neural network. Yeah, right?
1: yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that bottom up thing, uh, you know, which we, we do talk a lot about the, the blending of, uh, of human and, you know, human and AI. Um, uh, it does seem like they're very, uh, intentional about addressing both of those things. And, um, you know, uh, definitely want to get into the meat of it, but I, but I do think, um, it's also just a nice, just aspirationally to be able to present yourself, to the world in the way that this organization has um, and that they're very focused on the future of education. And I think they make it pretty accessible too. So I wouldn't say you know, only access this type of content if you're interested in the venture space or right. private equity or you know, if you're like an analyst. I'd say like if you're an educator, if you're someone who's working in
2: education or is, if you have children, like there, yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot of different groups mm-hmm. that I think um, could be interested in this, yeah. uh, in this work. Yeah. So Dan promised y'all a list, and, and I will I will bring it. Um, one last note about the framing: so they have these five different prospective futures, and again, these aren't mutually exclusive. But for each of these, they list what the impact is going to be to uh, the global environment. They give like a little overview of it, what the impact is going to be on economics, on regulation and innovation in tech. And they have on a separate chart um, shows what they expect the implications to be for K-12, for post-secondary education, for teachers, for skill training and for work and jobs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're imagining a chart because it's a chart, um, there's on one axis is these five scenarios and then on the other axis on a couple of pages are the different um, categories or uh, um, you know parts of the education cycle that uh, they expect there's going to be impact to. Uh, so you can imagine this again, this five by five times two chart. There's a lot of words in each of these, and we won't get into all of them. Mm-hmm. But um, just to 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 plus one to Mike, like there, this is I think a really interesting. Uh, uh, probably not primary source, but a secondary source document yeah. for lots of people to review. So yeah. here's the, here's the list. Yep. So the five perspective scenarios they lay out and Mike, maybe you can give some, some color on what these are. It's a colorful also. There's oh my God. Blues and greens and yells and reds. And, a lot of dimen- right? dimensionality. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's a lot cool. going on. Yeah. Imagine if you're listening to this pod with your eyes. Yeah. Um, so one is education as usual. Uh huh. The second is regional rising. Yeah. The third, and here, here we get into a lot of uh, alliteration. They like their alliteration. Yeah. Global Giants. Mm-hmm. The fourth is peer-to-peer. Yep. And the fifth, Dan, is Robo Revolution. I suppose it says robo, not robot. Yeah. So technically, Dan, you are right. I stand corrected. Ding, yeah. ding. Um, so those are the five different scenarios. I, I, I don't know, Mike, if you want to uh, color any of those up.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, education as usual is kind of what it sounds like. So like what happens to sort of the core, uh, pillars of education as we know it today and in, in 2019, uh, regional rising is the idea of, um, you know, the, the growth of, uh, new regional hubs, which, uh, will be sort of talent centers and have more of a sense of, uh, of the the local markets, uh, that's true both uh, domestically, but particularly when you think about that globally. Um, and then you get into global giants, which is almost a, a counterpoint to the regional rising. Which the global giants is more the the big platform plays the 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 globally relevant uh, giants that will will really drive the majority of uh, uh, of technology enabled is generally the way I think about that one uh you know the platforms that'll emerge that'll drive a lot of the education and the trends around uh, usage one of those big trends is peer-to-peer uh which is uh, you know even many of the global platforms are enabling capabilities that are they're really platforms that allow the 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 folks who are engaging in those platforms to derive value from each other um so so I think that's it's interesting where um I think the regional rising and global giants, there's there's an inter- interesting interaction there. And then similarly between the global giants and peer-to-peer, I think there's an interesting a- in- interaction there because I think the platforms that are um, driving peer-to-peer will likely emerge as global giants. So that's sort of like social, um, collaborative, user-generated, uh, You know, the global giants are the platforms who are enabling that and then what we'll see more growth in is the peer-to-peer interactions and capabilities, and the last one is the the robo revolution, um, which is a combination of digital assistants, smart classrooms, artificial intelligence, personalized learning, and uh, I would add that silent T at the end of robo. I think this is where the this is where the robots. Uh, Robot-enabled things will uh, will become increasingly prevalent in the next uh, the next ten eleven years, um, and this is all just you know again like the the picture superiority effect. Uh, you know this podcast is amazing. I think it'd be more amazing if you uh, you got access to this report and you were kind of scanning it as we talk. Um, so I would encourage folks to 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 uh,
2: to really dig in there. Um, but, it's hard to but- imagine it being even more amazing yeah, than it is right now. Sure. But I can't imagine. I think, you're, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, uh, One of the things that I thought was interesting is for each of these five scenarios, they list a on a scale of, of four-point scale. Um, they don't actually have numbers, so I won't make their numbers, but they, there are four different um, blocks that are filled in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the degree of change to each K-12 post-secondary jobs and skills yes. along the dimensions of structure of the industry mm-hmm. and model of learning. Yep. And I thought what was what was interesting is across all five, and again these aren't meant to be contradictory or exclusive. Yep. Um, although you know there's there's different scenarios in which one or more of these is more prevalent than others. Mm-hmm. Um, there were uh, in every one of them the structure of industry for K twelve. Yeah. The level of change was the lowest score. Yep. So in all five. Mm-hmm. And in most of the five, the level of change to both structure of industry and model of learning for jobs and skills yes. was at three or four, not yes. in everyone, but almost all of them yes. were at three or four, the highest yes. out of that range. Yeah, And I think this, you know, this plays into a lot of things we've been talking about on this podcast that if you're taking a really long view, a 10 year view, I think it is probably more likely that institutionalized K-12 is going to be the slowest thing to change and that the really the change is gonna come in on the jobs and skills side where employers see a real benefit either as a recruitment or retention or an upskilling competitive advantage to really provide different kinds of um, uh, on ramps into those roles and then continued on the job training. Mm That's where a lot of, I think, the private sector is going to get in. Uh, the private sector is obviously already in, including Kaplan. But you know, th- that's, that's where a lot of, I think, the change is going to come. As we've been talking about, that, is, that, that resonates with, what's in, with, with what is in this report.
1: Yeah, I, I was struck by the same thing. And I think uh, really in two ways. You know, One, that much of the, the genuine innovation is going to happen around uh, the future of learning and talent. Um, so, and which ties very closely to the disruption in the, the job market and the future of work that we're going to see with increased automation and all those kinds of things. So uh, that sector is hugely relevant. And that's probably where the cutting edge activity, uh, will, will happen. But I also think the, the relationship between these three areas is something that they didn't really get into, but I would see, um, real opportunities to modernize and disrupt and build business models that draw from learning and talent and apply that thinking to post-secondary and k-12 uh, even if you look at what uh what to you and coursera and a lot of these uh these bigger companies are doing uh you know kaplan as well Cap, you know kaplan's uh, university partnerships there are places where we're uh, further ahead in the innovation space and understanding the emerging uh, models that we can play with. And then we can uh, you know, facilitate engagements, probably with post-secondary even more so than K-12 to accelerate the, the, the modernization of instructional delivery for post-secondary. And uh, I think the same thing is true for K-12. So like, even though they're seeing the least movement there, that you could argue that that's that's the the space that's going to need the most dedicated focus to to try to you know disrupt and modernize in ways that are 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 still um respectful of the the reasons why the why k-12 for example is hard to change uh i thought it was interesting that they didn't include the pre-k space Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. because i actually think that is more akin to jobs and skills honestly so like i And something, and something I've talked about in the past is like, uh, it's more the idea of informal education and informal learning. Uh, There's even a, you know, some, some coverage of this in this report as well about the difference between learning and education and how learning is really the area where we're seeing, or maybe that was the Mika report. Uh, But, uh, but regardless, uh, the fire hose was tasty this morning, (laughs) but, uh, but the idea that, you know, uh, the focus on the individual and the in- individual 's needs and uh, on demand just in time education is much more relevant and also going micro uh, in terms of what you 're learning Those things are very job skills related um, but I think a lot of that individualization is also very tied to the pre k space yep um, so um, that 's just a almost a you know w- I would love it if Holon included more of that as well in their analysis because the way they do their analysis and, and uh, very seldom do I get this excited about a report. Uh, you know, it's been a few years since we <laughs> we first were evangelizing how awesome the Mika report and the hype cycle, uh, the hype cycle yeah. are.
2: And we keep going back to those those same wells. They're so delicious. Yeah, but well, This is a
1: whole new well. It's a whole new well. And then also, interestingly, like I think the hype cycle – Uh, does relate to this too. So like if you do think about some of the, you know, MOOCs, for example, are something that, uh, you know, appear very uh, prominently here, uh, and then also in the Meeker report. And I I think they're very much saying, uh, all the analysis that we're saying is that, you know, 2012 was supposed to be uh, the year of the MOOC, that was the peak of inflated expectations for MOOCs. They went into a trough of disillusionment. And now, I would expect in the, the the next decade, MOOCs are going to be a very central component of uh, the change that we're seeing here. And it's just a reminder that the hype cycle. Once um, it's really interesting when something is peaking and about to go into sort of uh, uh, decline. You know the 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 trough of disillusionment. Uh, but frequently, what's more interesting is when they they reach that slope of enlightenment and start to start to drive towards the plateau of productivity um, that when you start looking at a 10 year horizon, you can start to be a little more um, circumspect about the hype cycle. You can say like, yeah, yeah, it's troughing now. But if we're talking 10 years from now, you know, things may come around. Imagine
2: those plateaus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There are a couple of just quick hits that I I wanted to get in. And again, there's, there's, I think there's probably more pods worth of material in here on any of these dimensions, yeah. but uh, a lot of us is talking about the, the economics of the space. So it's saying that this that education will be a ten trillion dollar industry by twenty thirty. Yeah. Which, for some context, it was a five trillion dollar industry in twenty fifteen. Yep. A two and a half trillion dollar industry in twenty oh oh two thousand. Yes, is how more people pronounce that. Yes. Um, so you know, if it's it doubled in fifteen years um, to twenty fifteen, and doubling again. Yep. Uh, that seems, that seems reasonable. And mm-hmm. like, that's, that this is, that's a pretty, pretty blistering pace, right? Mm-hmm. If you're in 15 years, you know, rule of 72, you've got, what is that? 6% growth, something like that. And in terms of, uh, Kager, uh, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty material. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one, uh, two, I think this is, this is really, again, I, as I said, I think there are parts in this that you can read as bleak, but there's much more that is really optimistic. Uh, there will be 800, almost 800 million more global citizens with secondary, uh, with, with at least secondary level achievement yeah. um, in terms of their education level, mm-hmm. and then another almost 400 million with post-secondary. Yep. And just imagine the world when you've got, if you believe in the transformative power of education, which I think all three of us do, and uh-huh. the other guys are nodding for those of you who can only hear us uh-huh. and see us. Uh-huh. Imagine how the world will be transformed over the next decade where you have so many more people with a secondary or post secondary level of education. I think that's really incredible. Yeah. Um, the other thing on, on related to that note is uh, it talks a lot about PISA scores. So we've talked about the PISA before, uh, international test of, uh, of achievement. Um, one thing that was interesting is. Looking at it, mapped correlation of GDP to two things: one, test scores, and the other was number of years of school. Mm -hmm. And the R squared, the correlation efficient uh, coefficient there of uh, of test scores to GDP as compared to uh, years of schooling compared to GDP is is crazy different. So, um, and not just different where. It is. There's almost no correlation between GDP and number of years of school. Yep. And there is a decently strong enough an R squared of 0.55, like a real number oh, yeah. uh, between number of uh, between uh, GDP and achievement. Right. And so I think really focusing on if if more if it's the global giants, including governments, if more governments and other you know other bigs see that, I think if if they see how they can get a taste of an improved GDP in their country, yeah which whether you're a government entity or whether you're making most of your revenues from a particular country, Mm -hmm. you can, that there's a pretty, pretty clear through line there, that level of achievement, you can get some knock on benefit for, for yourself by just investing into having a higher achieving population, which I think is, I think is, is really also exciting. Like that's, that's again, makes, makes me brim with optimism. If people are thinking that striving and achievement are something that will at a huge population level, deliver improved results. I think that's great.
1: Yeah, well, and uh, and I think it does tie to the regional rising idea as well. So, like, if you look, even that 800 million number that you uh, were talking about, who get a post-secondary education? That's a relatively small percentage of the entire globe. Well, that's eight just bef-
2: before you. you know, I think your point will still hold, but yeah. that's a, that's the change. Uh-huh. Relative to 2016 numbers. Got so it. there will be, you know, however many there are with the secondary education today, whether it's 1 billion, 2 billion, 4 billion, whatever it is, ah, there'll be 800 million more got it. with the secondary level. Right, right, so right. just the percentage of the world's population that now will have that over will what today, it will increase, significantly, which I think is great. Yeah. And know? then the percentage increase would be
1: interesting to, to understand right. because cause I still think with the population demographics that we're going to see in the the next, uh, 10 years with Africa and Asia growing to the extent that they are the opportunities in the, the, the so-called developing world, uh, or like emerging markets, uh, globally are where I think a lot of that rising totally. can happen. And that's where I think the global giants try and understand how can they unlock that? Um, and, uh, and then starting to think about this more holistically around each among these five trends, you know, this does seem very it bodes well for MOOC like activity, I guess, because then you have uh, you have a global global giants in the MOOCs and the MOOC partners with other bigger organizations tapping into, uh, you know, the peer to peer educational dynamics that you have within MOOCs that help with job skill development. Um, it's very it does argue for like a, a somewhat bullish understanding of that uh direction that we've had that that sort of has been a little bit slow to uh to rise uh but i think there is there's there's some tailwinds that i think are coming around here and uh and i think that's really that's really interesting because i think we tend to by virtue of being uh in the us and uh and maybe naturally having some sort of uh, domestic u s orientation, just by virtue of being here, when you pull back and you start thinking about these global trends and where the real opportunities are and where like the the capital will likely begin to go, it does seem like there'll be a uh, um, you know the front of the parade and then the the sort of the the leveling up of the rest uh, w- will be two very different things that'll be happening and uh, and it's interesting to understand how. Uh, again, I I try to figure out where uh, you know the, the the world is changing, uh, just not equally, not at the same rate everywhere. And if we can understand where the cutting edge will be, the big opportunity frequently is providing what was cutting edge to the to like a broader opportunity space uh, quickly. So like I think the the innovation at the tip of the spear will be critical for the future of education. But almost as critical it 's like if you look at how big um, i don 't think it 's in this report, but I have seen huge numbers around the the size of digital transformation uh, efforts and the the market opportunity of modernizing legacy organizations digitally there's a huge industry around that, uh, which is really more uh, you know a b2 b industry but if you think about that as an example of these huge opportunities that are really just unlocking the potential that's identified at the tip of the spear. Um, that's what this type of analysis really does get your wheels turning around um, where, where smart investments are uh, where, where big opportunities may emerge. And um, yeah, I just um, I, don't, I don't know what else we wanted to talk
2: about. Yeah, we're we're I, going to come I, back. You I, know. We will. I just want to add one more. Yes. And on, on that um, I, I do think that, uh i'll maybe i'll speak for myself have a u.s centric perspective a lot of the time and yeah. that's mm-hmm. not because i tried i try to have that sure. it's because you know i grew up here it's who we it's, are right it's who we have been so but there there are this report among others have really it's a really good reminder of exactly what you're just saying like is where the development developing opportunities are where investment could and should go Um, You know, there's a, uh, uh, one of the pages lists the six major economies that are making up 80% of the global demand for education. Mm -hmm. I bet, and this is going to be an interesting thought exercise for you listeners right now, if you can think of the six that come to mind, Mm -hmm. I think you probably think of three of them off the top of your head. I'm not sure. So I think people would say the US, Mm -hmm. and they would be right, China and India. Yeah. Maybe people would say Brazil, which is actually number six. I'm not sure that everybody would be thinking about Nigeria, which is number four or yeah. Indonesia, which is number five, right And maybe everybody would and it's just me. but no. like, I, I think that's a you know we've we, uh, China and India are in people like popular understanding as global superpowers economically and educationally. Yep. I don't think that Nigeria or Indonesia necessarily are. And when you think about it, you know this. This lists in great again data viz form. Like this lists the number of of the population by education attainment levels. Yeah, there will be almost 150 million children under 15 in Nigeria, which is uh, in in 2050. So now we're they're expanding the scope, but in 2050, that's about the same size as the entire U.S. population that will have achieved a secondary. Uh, degree or post-secondary not both of them to come come on. but if you think about all of the people in the u.s who have graduated from high school right that's going to be equivalent to like the population of nigeria under the age of 15 right so imagine what you know these next 30 years will do in setting up the following 50 years like yes. we, we have an opportunity maybe this is what i'll go out on we have an opportunity to get like the world more or less right over the next couple of decades for like the forever future. Yeah. So uh, you know, man, uh, this is exciting. It's yeah. inspiring. I'm, I'm, I'm activated. I, 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 uh, I like it.
1: Yeah, I, I do too. And and I would say the the interesting thing to think about too, when you get this global in your perspective, because this is very much you know think globally, act locally, uh, which I keep coming back to. And uh, even the way they did bottom up was more the AI side of bottom up. There is also the idea of in each classroom, uh, you know, each of us when we wake up each day, we figure out how we want to spend our time. Uh, that's a very local, personal uh, decision. The good news and the optimism that I do share with you is that this is saying a career in being a driver of the transformation of education that is coming, the transformation of learning that we're in the midst of, that's a smart career path. And that's a smart mission to take on at a very personal, you know, start a company, uh, you know, do, you know, become a, a leader in your local school community. Um, it's re- it's kind of inspirational that way. And I would say, like, I would encourage, uh, obviously, you know, some of the folks who listen to this show are more, um, you know, maybe they're they're running an ed tech company or they're they're sort of a little more on the the, the venture side of the the space. This is right up your alley. I would really, uh, you know, it's kind of a call to action. I would say to someone who's, who's just an educator who listens to this show, uh, first off, if you're listening to this show, you're probably on the early adopter side anyway. Um, I'd say lean into this type of research because uh, I think it'll open up your perspective and it might open up some opportunities to um, to really be part of the change that, that will happen. Uh, and it's easy to lose sight of that when you look at these macro trends where everything is like the world will change in these ways as though we have no contributing role to play. And that's actually not true. Like these trends will happen regardless of us as individuals, but we can accelerate them and without people playing with their head up, this stuff is going to move slower. And and there's also a chance that some of these things don't actually happen. So um, I think it's, and I also just, you know, as a nod to, to what I love about this show is like we can sort of, drill into like those, those local stories and then also fit them into this broader context of macro trends. Um, I actually think that's interesting. And I don't know if, uh, you know, that, that's something I'd love us to continue to lean into a, as we we continue to talk about this and other topics.
0: Lots to dig into, lots still to come on this topic. Uh, I'm really intrigued by also, I think it was slide 28 or 27 around them separating learning and education. And really oh, starting hear, to okay. understand. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned before, just that really Drilling, you've talked about it before, Mike and Brandon, separating those two things to an extent. I think that's something to talk about more. And the peer-to-peer, the trust issues that come with learning from an individual and how to find those individuals to learn more in the future, I think is really intriguing as well. The entire report is fantastic. Great discussion and one we will come back to again in the future. As always, find us on Twitter at Trending and Ed, at Trending Education, uh, sorry, TrendingEducation.com, at Trending Ed on Facebook as well. Uh, dive into this with us. Download the PDF, read up. And we'd be happy to have you along the ride as we dive into it over the next few weeks and really get some extras out to dive in further on these topics. Appreciate you listening as always to Trending in Education.